Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I'm going to be sharing part three of a series I've been talking on for the last two weeks, obviously, called Positioned for Growth. The heart of this message was born out of a prophetic word that Pastor Andreas gave before he left for Cyprus, about three weeks before he left, about what God has in store for us, that God has wonderful things planned for 2019. Not necessarily the calendar year. I want you to understand that it's not like we crossed some kind of threshold on the 1st of January and now, wah, things happen. But there's seasons in the spirit. And the Lord has for some time been prophetically talking to his church, not just our fellowship, but the church in general, calling the church back to his heart, wooing the church back to intimacy, (coughs) excuse me, back to intimacy with him, back to the first love, calling, say, there's much I want to share with you. A few weeks ago, as we were praying, and when I kicked off the series, just during worship, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3 came, and it says, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty or inaccessible things that you do not know. And that's a wonderful promise. That's the call that God has right now. He's desiring us to draw near, to call out to Him. Why? Because there's wonderful and powerful things that He has, that He wants us to know, that He wants to show us, that pertain to our lives or our situation or our destiny, and that we don't know. And that's the really interesting thing. There's stuff that God has for you, and you don't know what it is yet. We don't understand yet. We don't have the fullness. We have a measure, of course, but there's so much more. So how do we position ourselves in such a place where we can receive that? And that's what the season we're in is all about. If God, if there's things that you want to do, I need to make sure that my heart attitude is right, that my heart is open, that I'm able to receive that which you want to give and that which you want to reveal and that which you want to pour out. Amen? So we, can, we can't do God's part, but we are expected to do our part. And that is make sure that we are ready. So first thing we spoke about is... In, in, in terms of being positioned for growth, is that the first place we need to grow is we need to grow in, grow into God. We spoke about growth and how anything that, 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 that is healthy, any organism that is healthy grows. It shows signs of life. If an organism does not grow, if it's become static, you're going to say there's something wrong with it. It's not functioning as it should do. Any organism that is healthy grows. And we spoke about being positioned in a place conducive to growth. We read from Psalm 1, which says, blessed is the one who, 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 who meditates in the law of the Lord, who fills himself with the word of God every day. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water, who brings forth its, its fruit in due season. Its leaf shall not wither, and whatever it does shall prosper. It speaks of positioning, not physical positioning, but heart's attitude. It speaks of an expectance to hear from God and expectancy as well as an attitude of obedience that when I do hear that I will speak. Pastor Ken pointed something out to me last, last week. Pastor Ken and Anne were hearing the message and I really appreciated it. I actually asked him to email it to me so that I could share it with you today because I thought it was so powerful. Pastor Ken, many of you don't know this, but he comes from a chemistry background. He worked as a chemist, as, a, as an industrial chemist for many years. So he understands not only the chemistry, but industrial processes concerning chemistry. 
One of the examples I gave you last week concerning optimal conditions for growth was the way that people are growing micro herbs and vegetables these days in warehouses or containers where they have a sealed environment where the conditions, the air pressure, the air temperature, the air quality, the water quality, the nutrients, everything is controlled to the minutest detail to ensure optimal conditions for growth. And that is a sealed environment. And what Pastor Ken pointed out to me last week is that unlike plants, we do not grow in a shield or in a sheltered environment. We do not grow in a container. Our optimal conditions for growth are not in seclusion. But very often, the, optimal, the conditions that are optimal to our growth are in hard times. They're in difficulties. They're in challenging situations or circumstances. They're in relationships that try us. They're in pressures that cause us to rise up to meet them. If you look at the same example that Jeremiah gives of the tree in chapter 17, verse 7, he says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters. So we still have the waters there. So that's the non-negotiable, all right? What does the waters represent? The spirit of life. Jesus said, out of, in that day, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. The, another, another analogy that Ezekiel makes is that underneath, from the throne room of God, there flows a river of life. So that river of life has to do with the life force of God, with the Spirit of God. So that remains unchanged. But from verse 8, he says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers, or by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. Now, we're not talking about optimal conditions anymore, but his leaf will be green. He will not be anxious in the year of drought. That speaks about lack and tough times. Nor will he cease from yielding fruit. And so just the principle though, that, that, that I wanted to bring across. Optimal conditions for growth have nothing to do with what you are going through. It has to do with the attitude of your heart in the midst of what you are going through. One of the things we used to debate ad nauseum in Leadership Academy is people would say, you know, difficulties and hard times and struggles make you stronger. That's not true. They can make you stronger if you face them with the right attitude and you learn through them what you need to learn. But very often, they can just break you and make you bitter. They can just make you angry. You see, the struggles in your marriage can either help shape your character or wreck your marriage. You understand? And so what's going on around us is not nearly as, what, as important as what is going on within us. As we talk about being positioned for growth, positioned to receive from God, what's important is not what's going on around me, but it is the attitude of my heart towards God. In the first week, I'm just going to recap on some simple things or some, quick, some things quickly so that we can just continue in the same flow. In the first week, one of the examples we looked at was the example of Acts chapter 10, where Paul, I beg your pardon, where Peter and Cornelius were both able to receive instructions from God. And through the following and obeying those instructions, they came to a place where the Gentiles received the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time. And the, the lesson we learned from that is the, the, the reason that both were able to be led by God is because both were found in a position of prayer. Both were in a place ready to receive from God. They were grow, they were, their lives were focused on growing in, into Jesus, more like God. Last week, we looked at how, what, what, hap, what begins to happen or what the effect of growing in is. And what is the effect? We begin to grow out. That which we get filled with begins to come out of us. 
Growing out, in other words, growing in love, growing in character, growing in Christ-likeness is simply the fruit of what is growing and going on within you. It's not something you can muster. It's not something you can put on. Sure, you can fake it for a while, but you know what? What Tough times and difficulties in your life will reveal where you really stand. I love the analogy that says people are like tea bags. If you want to know what they're full of, put them in hot water. It'll come out. And it's true. We can fake Christianity, but you know when things are stressed, when the pressure hits, when we don't know how to manage and cope with what's going on in our lives, things start coming out of us that, uh, that reveal the true state of our heart. Growing out is not a list of spiritual chores, but it's, it's the nature of a porous Christianity. I love the, the analogy of, of a sponge, a porous life. Because a porous life, a sponge can both absorb, but also once it's reached saturation, it begins to leak. And the analogy is that God wants us to be like sponges. He wants us to absorb His love, His life, His presence, His power, so that as we go about our day, we begin to leak it out. How is it that Peter and John walking down a street and their shadow falling on people heals them? How is it that a woman touches the garment of Jesus and she gets healed. Because Jesus was leaky. Everywhere he went, he leaked love. He leaked healing. He leaked breakthrough. He leaked deliverance. He leaked the kingdom of God, the presence of God, wherever he went. He brought life. Isn't that a beautiful analogy? <coughs> but if you look at Scripture, you'll see how much time Jesus spent in the presence of God. The, the other analogy that we used is the analogy of a bottle or a glass of water. And very, very often when people talk about prayer and spending time in God's presence, they say, you know, you need to go there so that you can be filled up, so that you can go about your day and pour out in other people and pour out that blessing so that tomorrow morning you can sit in His presence again and be filled up and go out and pour and share the love and the blessing that you've received. I want to tell you, I don't believe for one second that's God's actual intent for you. God's actual intent for you is that this is your bottle. This is your life. And God wants you full all the time. But not just that. God wants you so full that you are overflowing. That you are not looking to go and give out of that which is yours, but that you're actually going to spill some stuff, and so you need some people to find to go pour into, because otherwise it's going to leak, and, and you're going to waste this precious thing, this precious love of God. You lit, it literally begins to overflow out of your heart. You can't keep it in. And that's, that's a picture of abundance. That's a John 10.10, 10, I have come that you may have life, and may have it more abundantly. That's a picture of Ephesians 3. He who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think and imagine, to him be glory. And that all comes out of what? A revelation of the love of God. Poured out. Poured out. Jesus said, John 7, 38, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus gave us the key to this. He said, when you pray, Matthew 6, 6, I'm not going to read the whole thing. When you pray, go into your bedroom, be alone with God. And what happens in secret, God will reward you openly. What does that mean? Does that mean signs, wonders, miracles? Possibly. But it means that what God is doing in your heart will begin to leak out of you. People will be able to identify it. They'll be able to see the difference there's a fire burning in you, which means you can't keep it to yourself. But something pushes you 
to share it. There's a beautiful example in Acts chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. I'll paint the picture for you. Peter and John have, have just walked into the temple past the gate called Beautiful. And there's a young man there, uh, there's a man there who's been crippled 40 years. And he's, he's asking for alms. And you know, you know the story. Peter says to him, silver and gold I do not have, but such as I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he rises up. Now there's a big hoo-ha in the town because people know this guy. They're all gathering in the temple. Move the story along a little bit. Peter starts sharing what has just happened, that this is not him. This is God. This is Jesus who done this. 5,000 people get saved. And the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and the rulers of the time are a little bit annoyed right now because this whole thing is happening. So while Peter and John are sharing this stuff, the Bible says they laid hands on them. In other words, they took them into custody and they took them aside and they stood before a panel and said, what is this that you're doing? Who is this that you're preaching? What is this message you're preaching? And we get to Acts 4, 13 and 14, and he says this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, who'd now given an account for what was happening, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Let's pause there for a second. These guys were giving answers way above their, above their pay grade. They're reasoning with scribes and with Pharisees on a level that is confounding them and that, that these people should not be able to do because of their social status, because of their level of education. So they're punching way above their weight here. And then it says this, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I love that sentence. They realized that they had... So the realization of everything that they saw in these two men, their boldness, the miracles, all these things that were going on, the realization was that they had been with Jesus. God is calling us to turn our hearts toward Him, to grow into Him in a greater measure so that His life can begin to grow out of us, so that the people around us can see He's been with Jesus. He just looks differently. He talk, look, I'm not talking about the Moses kind of people can see where you glow. I mean, we're talking about the nuclear trinity. We talk about three. We're not talking about the nuclear is in radioactive and you go green when you spend time in his presence. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about something that is evident, that, is, that you can see. And when we grow into Jesus, when we begin to change inside our hearts and he begins to work within us and give us motivations that are born not of ourselves but of him, and we begin to share that and begin to pour that out with others. Guess, guess what begins to happen? As we grow in and we grow out, we grow up. We grow up. Maturity in Christ, spiritual maturity begins to grow in us. You see, maturity can never be developed in theory, only in practice. I want to say that again. Maturity is not about what you know. It's about what you do and you can handle I bet you there's many young people who can tell you how to drive a car. Don't put them behind the wheel. Because the theory of how to do it versus the experience of having done it is very different. Somebody who's been driving for 10 years 
has a heck of a lot more experience. They've gained a level of maturity and understanding and handling a vehicle that somebody who's been driving for 10 days just doesn't have. Despite the fact that they can do it, or despite the fact that they can understand how a car works, despite the fact that they're thoroughly saved and they have their Jesus license, they're still inexperienced. They're still children in a car. Or young, a young driver, should I rather say. You see, the key word in this whole series is the word grow. It's the word position and the word grow. Position for growth. What do we position ourselves for? There's a reason we're positioning ourselves. It's not just a random position. It's not a position for pleasure. It's not a position for anything else. It's a position for growth. And so we need to understand that growth is a progressive process. It is not an event. It happens as you do life. Growth is not a destination. Maturity is not a destination. It is a product of what you've been through as you grapple and as you work through your life. It is a product of both your victories as well as your failures. Amen? And I love when we, we discussed this along the way, John 16, where Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Why? Because you're just not mature enough yet. You're not ready to handle these things yet. You still need to grow in maturity. You need to grow in experience. 1 Corinthians 13 Verse 11, Paul writes, he says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. What he's talking about here is not an event. Okay, bar mitzvah, I'm a man now, I've got to change it. I think this is a very gradual thing. As you grow up into manhood or womanhood, but not only that, as you grow as a believer, this has nothing to do with your physical age. This has to do with the level of spiritual maturity that you have, where and how you gauge yourself. But it, Paul here is talking about, in order to grow up, I needed to put some things away, and I needed to reorientate my heart. I needed to focus on some different things. I needed to take up the responsibilities that came with manhood. And in order to do that, I had to let go of some responsibilities or some things that I considered important before. I'll never forget the day I had to lay down my PlayStation. <laughs> I brought it with me into marriage. And I could still juggle PlayStation and marriage. That was still okay. Helen would give me some time. Was just, I made sure Helen was taken care of and I could have some game time. Sometimes she'd go to bed early, sit and play FIFA for a while. Leah came along and there's photos of me sitting with my feet on my coffee table, Leah lying on my lap all bundled up playing football. Volume down, because she's asleep. There's a picture of me playing, playing PlayStation with Leah on my lap. But, you know, as she started grew, growing, I realized I can't FIFA and raise a child at the same time. It had to go. One of them had to go. <laughs> so I prayed. <laughs> I said, God, <laughs> help me make the wise choice here. <laughs> And he did. But the point is this. For me to take on adult responsibilities properly, I had to properly let go of some things. And maybe there's some things in your life that God is talking to you. Maybe he's actually been talking to you about them for some time. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a behavior. I don't know what it is. Maybe. But maybe there's some things God is literally talking to you to put down. Because maybe those things are still part of a childish part of Christianity, a naive side of Christianity, and that as long as you hold on to that, 
God can't take you into the new things. Orientate your heart to say, God, what are the things that you have in store for me? You see, immature people live primarily for themselves and for their own interests. Would you agree with me? Children are like that. They live for themselves. They live for their own interests. It's all about them. And that's not a sin. It's just a mark of immaturity. You have a lot of people who are aged, who are up in years and still live life as though it's all about them. Completely immature. Even their relationship with God is based on what God can do for them. They come to God when they need something. God, would you please bless me? God, this is what I want. Please make it happen. God, I've put together this plan. I bring it to you and I lay it at your feet. Please bless it. A lot of what we do, even in Christian life, still has the mark of immaturity in it because it's not based about God and it's not all about His kingdom. It's still very much about me, my life, my welfare, and my family. Now, does God care about you and your welfare and your family? Yes, of course He does. I'm not saying we neglect those things. But I'm saying the mark of maturity is when we've moved beyond them. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus. If one died for all, then all died, and and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. Philippians 2, verse 4. You guys in your Bible study, you're working through Philippians. It says this, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but what? Also for the interests of others. You see, growing up means that I take my place and I take, my, and I take the responsibility that God has called me for. It means that I, I come and I put my wheel to the grindstone. I mentioned Cyprus again. Just, it just came to mind. One of the things when we were there uh, last year, we, we, we got to see a village festival. And one of the things they do at this village festival is they grind out wheat or grain on a grindstone. It's a, it's a, it's a massive stone. It's, it's huge. It's circular. It's about this size. And it sits in a little thing, and they put a big pole through it. And there's about four guys on this side and four guys on that side, and they all push, and they drive this grindstone around over the wheat. And they shift it about a bit, and then they drive the grindstone around, and it separates the wheat from the chaff. They then take the wheat, and they throw it up into the wind, and the chaff blows away, and the wheat falls down onto a sheet, and they gather it that way. But, you know, if I was just to push that all by myself, it would be a hard thing to do. I don't know that I would manage. You have four guys on one side, four guys on the other side. Why? Because they've all taken responsibility. They've taken their place. Everyone has a role to play. Some people put the grain in. Some people sift it. Some people uh, thresh it. Some people have to turn the millstone. But everyone's got a role. And it's wonderful. They bring the kids in, and it's, it's a wonderful fit, uh, festival atmosphere when they do that. But the point I'm trying to make with you is this. As we grow into God and we begin to grow out, a call comes for us to take a place of responsibility within His kingdom. It's to understand that everything we do and all of this love and this wonderful stuff goes beyond just you and me. But that there's a purpose and a calling and a destiny on our lives that God wants us to grow into, to grow up into, to mature so that our lives are not just focused on ourselves, but on focused I'm taking responsibility for who we are for the sake of those around us. You see, I need to take responsibility of who I am, not just for myself and my own well-being, but for the well-being of my family, as well as for the well-being of this church. Amen? That's a responsibility that I must carry. 
I need to step up to that. What is your responsibility? What is your role? Folks, this applies to your spiritual growth. It applies to your family situation. It applies to the calling of God on your life. It applies to the gifts and the talents that God has given you. Stir up that gift that God has given you. What are you doing with the talents that God has given you? Are you functioning in them? Are you honing them? Are you training yourself in them to use them for His glory? Philippians 2, again, verse 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. In other words, there is something that I need to do. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. In other words, as God begins working in you, and you grow up and you mature and that life takes, and you, you, you take on the life and the nature of God, you grow out and, and it begins to, to show. The New Living Translation says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. You know that as you do this, you're going to face tremendous opposition. Have you ever tried to do something for God and find yourself thwarted on the first step I'm going to either, either, either it has to do with quiet time and dedication to Him. Maybe it has to do with a certain thing that, you know, a commitment within the church that God's been speaking to you about getting involved in. Maybe it's got to do in your workplace with sharing, whatever it may be. The moment you set out to do something for God, motivated by God, you're going to face opposition. Sense the Lord saying to you, I want you to go and forgive that person. And so you go and meet them. I, I just want you to know I forgive you. And they go, forgive me? For what? Who do you think you are? And you suddenly realize that didn't quite go as well as you'd planned. <laughs> Perhaps that wasn't the best way of going about it. Maturity is ticking in. You see, when you set out to live for God and do things according to the kingdom way, you're going to find that it comes with tremendous opposition. Sometimes from the outside, but primarily and most of the time, it comes from within yourself. There's an opposition, there's a mindset, there's old ways, there's habits, there's comforts that get in the way. And that means we're going to have to overcome some things. Amen? The mark of maturity, folks, is not just that we step up to our responsibility. That's a part of it. But in stepping up to our responsibilities, that we overcome the things which stand in our way the things which seek to undermine us, the things which seek to undo that which God is trying to work in our hearts. The Apostle John writes this. He says in, the, in his first epistle, chapter 2, verse 12 to 14, he says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for, the, for his name's sake. New believers, little babes in Christ, I write to you because your sins are forgiven. Give God thanks for his salvation. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. You have known him. You have known God. It speaks of an intimate knowledge. It speaks of an experiential knowledge. And he says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. <clears throat> There's a measure of victory there. There's a measure of salvation that has been worked out and has, has, has brought somebody to a place of greater maturity and greater influence. Again, he says, I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. 
I've written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Again, an experiential knowledge of God, an intimate knowledge. And I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. You know the Lord, you know his word. And you have overcome the wicked one. In working out your faith, in taking it day by day, you have worked through the opposition, you've worked through the disappointments, you've worked through the hurts and the pains, you've worked through failed faith. You've worked through disillusionment. You've worked through the struggles of, of whatever it may be. And you've come out the other side learning how to practically use the Word of God in your situation. Learning how to attain victory by faith and provision by faith and healing by faith. Learning how to be more and more like Christ in sharing His love with those around you. James, verse 12, James 1, 2, and 2 to 4 says it this way. My brethren, count a joy when you suffer various trials. Woohoo! How many of you count a joy when you suffer various trials? I don't generally consider that time for rejoicing. But the Bible tells us to. Why? He says, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing patience. And if you let patience have its perfect work, you will be perfect or complete. The best word for that is whole lacking nothing, mature, experienced. You can take the shots and bear them. You know, as I've grown in my relationship with Pastor Andreas, I've seen some of the things he shrugs off. And I realized that if that was aimed at me at that time and season, it would have taken me out. I would have had a rough time having to deal with these things. And he just sort of shrugs them off. Why? Because there's a, there's a level of maturity, there's a level of spiritual fortitude that has been built into him, not over a day or over a season, not as a magical event where somebody laid hands on him, but through time spent in the presence of God, day by day, through victories and battles won, in tears and in sweat and in, and in agony. And all these things have added to him a level of maturity and a level of strength that enables him to endure and stand. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us to a place where we can be the pillars in his kingdom that others can lean on. Pillars that can hold up shelter for others to find a place of refuge. Many of us are still running to God day by day to find refuge and grace just to make it through today. I want to say to you that's not a sin. and That is not a bad thing. That is a wonderful thing. Let that trial have its perfect work in you to produce the maturity that God wants to see in you so that you can walk others through it. I find my greatest joy is walking others through that which I have overcome. My greatest joy is, it, it, Jesus says it this way, he says, in this world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. In other words, his greatest joy is teaching us and showing us how to take the victory that he has given us and work it out in our everyday lives in the places where we find adversity and trials. He loves it. He loves, the Bible says this, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God wants to show you victory and grace and strength. There are many wonderful things he wants to show you that you don't even know yet. Perhaps the way those things are going to come is through a victory, through a trial. Perhaps the way those things are going to come is through you letting go of certain things and pressing into Him for more. But without a doubt, God is calling you and He's calling me to position my heart in such a way to say, God, 
What are you saying to me right now? I want to turn my affection to you. I don't want to be caught up chasing the things of this world. I don't want to be caught up on things that are irrelevant, on things that may even be irreverent. But I want you to help me set my heart on you, to grow into you, and let your love grow out of me still more and more. Again, folks, this is not a once-off event. That's why, that's why throughout this whole series, there's not been a single altar call where I call you to, front, to the front to pray a special prayer for you. Because this is not something somebody can impart to you through the laying on of hands. This is a heart's decision to pursue the King of glory, to pursue the Lord of love, and to see His love replicated in your heart. How do I do that? Folks, it's going to take time in His presence. It's going to take time in His presence. We can't get away from that. We can't substitute that with anything else. Do you remember Stephen's message from a few weeks ago where he shared about breathing? Breathing in is an active thing. It requires muscle. It requires not a lot of effort, but it requires effort to breathe in. But breathing out is a relaxing, it's a very natural experience. That is, it's growing in, that takes the effort. Growing out is the natural expression of that. And as we keep doing that repetitively, day by day, we grow up. We begin to grow into the man or the woman that God has called us to be. We begin to find our niche, our place, that thing that God is wanting to give us as a responsibility. Don't be worried about some big calling out there, some big thing that may be lying ahead. Where are you now? What has God given you? What has God entrusted to you now? What, what spiritual responsibilities do you have for your soul, for the sake of your, for the soul and the sake of your family, for your spiritual family? How are you working out to your salvation, that which is going on within you? Maybe you're even. Perhaps you're even in a place where you're really frustrated because you feel God working in your heart. There's things going on, but you haven't found expression for them yet. I want to say to you, keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in to the place where it spills over. The expression will find itself in the right place and at the right time. This is not something that is contrived. It's not something you can force. It's not something you can manipulate. Keep pressing in till it, till it comes out. And as it begins to do that, you will see how maturity begins to grow in you. Folks, I want to round out the series by saying these two scriptures again because I want them to resonate in your hearts. I still have many things I want to say to you, says the Lord, but you cannot bear them now. I still have many things I want to say to you, but you can't bear them now. John 16, 12. I'm calling you to position yourself I'm calling you to sit at my feet. I'm calling you to get into my word in whatever way that means for you. If, you. if you're the prayer closet guy who likes to sit and pray in the spirit for a long time, do that. I get the greatest, my greatest times personally with God are simply praying in the spirit. Other people get it from reading the word. Other get it, people get it from taking a walk with the dog and nature speaks to them. Just get alone with God because there's things he wants to say to you and you don't know what they are yet. I hope that, that, that the revelation that there's things that God wants to tell me that I don't know yet stirs within you or sparks within you a hunger or a fire to say, right, God, I want to know what those things are. 
And the second scripture is this, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me, and I will show you. In other words, God promises. He first tells you that there's things you don't know, but he promises you this. If you call to him, he will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Position yourself for growth, believer. Because there's a season coming where, you are, where God is wanting to grow you and transition you, transition your life to a greater measure of influence, a greater level of blessing, a greater level of maturity in Him as you, lead, as you allow Him to lead you by His Spirit. Do you believe that? Then let's stand together. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.